Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be back in this sanctuary and gathered with all of you. My name, again, is Leela Sinha, and um, I am a community minister here in the Bay Area. Before I begin, before I begin preaching anywhere, I like to warn people, <laughs> because what I do is I preach out of a tradition that is very spoken word inflected, very beat poetry inflected. And so I speak often fast. There are a lot of words. There are a lot of images. And I want to encourage you to just let those words and images wash over you. You do not have to catch every word. If you miss one, you didn't need it. And the ones that fall in and stay are the ones that you needed to hear. My friend, Gender Queer Wolf on Twitter, I think they are brilliant, you should go follow them, is sometimes wise, sometimes poetic, often both at once. This is a series of their tweets. The world is getting queerer. Possibility and education are part of that, and I am so charmed by that, even as a part of me frets that the humans younger might make the same mistakes I did, we did. We might think those mistakes are new and unique in the world, My inner urge is sometimes to stomp around like a big, grumpy, middle-aged, I am not, queer relative and admonish, admonish everyone not to feel like their life mate is the person they met at 20 or to rush to get married because they can or sometimes it feels like we just aren't allowed to make the same quick disaster choices as a person might if they were all of his head. But a better, stronger part of me wrestles with the grumpy ogre because what good is life actually if you can't enjoy love where it springs up? I might tell you to guard your heart, but I would rather tell you that this love is worthy, and so will the next, and the next, and the next. Maybe you're younger than me and even more keenly aware that you might not get more chances at love. Maybe you're lucky enough to know old happy queer folks who made it. Maybe we need new stories. That old meme that this is how the world ends was almost right, because the world ends not with a bang, but with despair. You don't owe a relationship to someone you're in love with. And if you remember that, there's not really such a thing as falling in love with the wrong person. Romance is not a prerequisite to happiness. But community and family are bigger than just romance, and you do deserve to be safe and supported. Here end the tweets. Community and family are bigger than just romance, and you do deserve to be safe and supported. That's news to a lot of us. When you want something badly enough or when you need something like community, you can tell because you start doing stuff to make it happen. It might not be all the stuff that you need to make it happen right away, but you start doing something to make it happen. The whole, that whole, the whole whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Creative interchange is the location of God, but it's also the location of on-the-ground transformation. And what really is the difference between transformation and God? Is there a difference between transformation and God, or is God, if God is, as so many others have suggested, if God is a verb, then maybe the thing that God is that is a verb is transformation, which would explain why change is such a ridiculously permanent constant in our lives. And if the collective experience, if unity and unions is, if the collective hope, if the collective need, if what we need to do is collect ourselves, if we, what we need to do is collect ourselves to be the collective, which is to say to be God, if the collection of life is God, 
the collection of life is the sacred, if the collection of life is the holy, if the collection of life is the thing that changes us from human merely beings into unimaginable you, thank you, E.E. Cummings, then what may we do? What must we do? What can we possibly do to make sure that we can collect ourselves as thoroughly as possible? As thoroughly and as many times as necessary because, because this is not the kind of collection that one does once. I know y'all don't, we don't plow snow here, but I moved here from Maine, and when the snow comes down, you don't just plow it once. When the snow comes down, you have to collect it and then collect it again and again and again because if you let off, if you let it pile up, you can't collect it anymore. It gets messy, it gets sticky, it gets hard and crusty and icy, and then you can't pick it up at all. So how do we collect ourselves on an ongoing basis in community? How do we collect ourselves in community when we have been so messy? We are messy. And I mean Unitarian Universalists specifically are messy. Because we've neglected community and neglected that kind of collection of ourselves for so long, we've let each other off the hook for really living our values for so long, and in so doing, we've made it hard. The whole thing has become crusty and icy and super hard to get off the ground. We've made it damn near impossible to collect ourselves, and so we're all scattered. We don't understand what we have in common. We don't understand where it is necessary to sacrifice individual interests in the name of the whole and where we have to stick out because our idea or our identity is the one that's going to make the difference. We don't know how to set ourselves aside. And we don't know how to bring ourselves together. And we have to remember, and I say we have to remember because we did once know. We once knew how to do this. This is not a thing we have to invent. This is a thing we have to remember, how to collect ourselves and each other, how to bring ourselves and one another back in, back in close to the heart where we can feel the beat together or we can feel the beating together. We are only here because there is a whole. We're only here as part of a whole. And when we understand that we move and breathe and live and die and rise and fall as a whole, then we can understand the importance of meeting one another toe-to-toe, belly-to-belly, eye-to-eye. Then we can understand the need absolute need, the human, intrinsically human need to collect one another, to come together with one another, to be whole with each other, to lift up and support and float and buoy everybody, everybody, to welcome everybody, to see the places where we have failed to open ourselves and to correct that, where we are failing to see the places we have failed to lift up one another and correct that, failing to see our failures as the sin of omission they are, and to correct those failings, to weave of the threads of each other our collective liberation, our collective strength, our collective transformation. Because when we are in transformation, we are the divine. We are the divine, but only when we are in collective transformation. It is our obligation to find that collective transformation. It is our obligation to find that collective transformation, to return to it when we have lost it, when we have left it, when we have neglected it. And it's our obligation to make real the sacred in the world and in this moment. And we can only do that by collective transformation, by the transformation of being in the presence of hearts and souls of one another. Do not, do not pray for individual liberation. That is a sin. Do not pray to lift only your own boat. That is a sin. Do not, do not, do not pray to be separate, to be set apart, to be better than, to get ahead. Ahead of whom? 
to be unlike each other. Pray instead to bring everyone in. Pray to bring everyone in and maybe the door will be open for you. Somewhere in the history of tech and advertising, someone, a large bookseller maybe, used the line better together. It was an upsell line. Oh, you're going to get this. This is better together with that. Obviously, it was a good line because I remembered it, even if I never clicked the link. I didn't click the link not because they were wrong, but because my mother, also a Unitarian, raised a Unitarian, ingrained in me a resistance to marketing pressure as strong and thick as the wall of China. Resistance on principle. Resistance for its own sake. Resistance because I won't and you can't make me. And she wondered why I had such trouble with authority. I won't and you can't make me has its advantages. It makes it easier to keep boundaries, force space, pry apart the components and look at the insides, use what you can use and leave the rest, and divine your own direction. We have a lot of I won't and you can't make me in our congregations. It is absolutely terrible for collaboration. I won't and you can't make me is built for survival in hostile territory. It is built for self-determination in the midst of a mob. It is built for growing possibility out of fierce desperation. I won't and you can't make me is where the poppies grow. But eventually, I and all of us get tired of being a battlefield, and then we need another strategy. We need another strategy in the midst of crisis and more crisis and change and turmoil and demands and needs and fear and strife and sky-record high levels of anxiety and inhumanity and death. We need another strategy in the midst of what feels impossible and yet cries every night on our shoulders. We need another strategy, another way, another possibility, another dream when hope has been summarily whisked off the table and replaced with a meal of the severed limbs of our people. We need another strategy. Not because things are getting better, but because they are going on longer and they are getting worse. And I won't and you can't make me is fundamentally a strategy of separation. It is a strategy built on no, on never again, on not actually even the first time, on you shall not pass. Which you may notice requires a thing to say no to. It requires, relies on a thing to be against. It cannot exist, cannot mobilize, cannot develop, cannot organize without the Balrog rising up from the depths of hell to be cut off at the bridge. It means we need a demon from the deep or we do not exist. We lose our identity and we fail to show up. Think about that for a minute. If your primary strategy of identity and behavior is one of resistance, you are demanding the presence of the thing you exist to resist. That is a terrible idea. I can't even be gentle about it. That is a terrible idea. Any strategy that wants the thing we ostensibly want to dismantle forever, compost and scatter to the four winds when it's nothing but dust, that thing... Any strategy that wants that things, that strategy is doomed to failure. And so here we are, up to our eyeballs, in the thing that we need in order to exist. In the thing we need to exist. 
I'd just as soon not. We need another strategy. So what's the opposite of I won't and you can't make me? Better together. We are better together. When Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted at the young white supremacists to come back to the fold, that was better together thinking. But that was like advanced better together thinking. We don't have to go that far in. We don't have to get that deep or be that radical. If that's out of your reach personally, and let's be real, it's out of reach for a lot of people. You're simply not that good yet. It's okay to not be that good yet. Theologically, energetically, start with something easier. If you cannot soften your heart that much, soften it just a little. Soften it to look at the people beside you, the people opposite you, the people next to you, your neighbors. If you are white especially, soften your heart and listen. Listen. Decide for a moment that being right among people you basically agree with is a place you can flex. It's a thing you can give up and bend. Decide that you are better together, and what does that look like? What is the best possible thing you can offer? What is the best possible thing you can learn without demanding it from somebody else? How can you be part of a together that is actually better? Actually, not just familiar, not just easy, not just comfortable. Better. Morally better, spiritually better, concretely for your marginalized neighbors better. Wherever you have privilege, leverage it and make things better. What does it look like to be better together? We've learned some things from community organizing, from unions, from groups that put their shoulders to the same wheel. So first, why bother? One, we are stronger together. It's that simple. More horsepower, more movement. Two, when something is done together, it's usually done with more input, which usually makes it more comprehensive and more durable. When we do things collectively, we catch each other's mistakes before they get any bigger. Three, More resources. We can literally buy more things when more people pay. We can do more things with more time and more energy. Four. We can compensate for deficits in one place with massed resources in another. So if we don't have enough time but we have a pile of money, we can throw money at the time problem. Or vice versa. Don't have any money, have plenty of time, throw volunteers at it. Five. Connections are made slowly, sometimes, and fast, sometimes, but almost always. Some of them are made underground. Thank you, Marge Piercy, and they nourish nourish us. Also, in the collective, we find our identity. We don't need the Balrog. If you haven't read any Adrian Murray Brown, now would be an excellent time to start. Read Emergent Strategy, read Pleasure Activism, read them in groups, aloud, together, Our reading this morning was from Emergent Strategy. Pleasure Activism is the other book that I know of by her. It's better together. So how do we do this? One, see the people before you see their tasks, their utility, or their place in the system. Just see the people. See the people in front of you. Two, keep seeing them that way even after they become useful. Do not reduce people to their utility. Three, Create systems of accountability wherein humans are responsible for making sure the other people are also being seen as humans consistently. Four, create accountability that expects people to fail and improve. Do not expect perfection. That's number five. Do require the work. That's the second part of number five. Six, create spaces of rest and spaces of growth. People cannot be people 
without both rest and growth. Every change needs time for absorption, for digestion, for transmutation. Expect that. I personally am terrible at expecting that, but expect that. Seven, do not expect stasis anywhere, ever. If you're not moving somehow, you are dead. Expect motion, change, and transformation. Do not expect to get comfortable. Learn to rest in motion like sleeping in a canoe that's going downstream. Eight, hold hands while you float. Don't lose each other. Nine, make art, writing, song, dance, speeches, paintings, drawings, comics, art. You never know what you know until you give it a chance to emerge, and you never know where it's hiding or who it's going to touch. Ten, give it away. My business coach, Jen Kem, says people come to you not for information but for transformation. That is possibly not any more true anywhere than right here. People come to you not for information but for transformation. It's true. You can share all the information far and wide. It makes the change possible. You don't have to hoard information. The more you share, the more transformation will come and the more people will come in here. Tell people what Unitarian Universalism is doing in your life and how they can get a piece of that. If it's not something you think people want a piece of, how are you being a Unitarian Universalist? Eleven, be ready to be changed yourself. You cannot sign your whole world up for change and expect that you get to stay who you are. And the person you are isn't ready for what's next. So go ahead. Let go of what you know. Hold hands. And be better when you don't know the outcome or the answers. Be better in uncertainty. Be better in possibility. Be better together. Blessed be and amen.